Section C3, Episode A2, The Sacred Grove of Dance. Knossos Palace, East Olive Grove. Columnar Sanctuary of Night and the Twilight Sun. Knossos Palace, Central Patio. The Sacred Grove of Dance Preview of C3A2 The growth of the cereal grains, the olive orchards, and the vineyards was vitally important to the economy of Atlantis. Periodic rains helped these agricultural staples produce more abundant harvests. Lady Rhea was the goddess of dark rains producing fertility in the soil. Lord Kronos was the air in the surface area of the earth. The moisture provided by Rhea's rains made the surface airs and soils more fertile for plant and seed growth. The goddess Rhea was also the goddess that presided over the making of libations. The name of the goddess is derived from the Greek word for pouring or streaming of liquids. Lady Rhea was also known as the streaming light of the dawn and in later Greek she was also known as the goddess Eos. The mythic ideas of the dawn and the fertile dark rains were similar. The sun god's ascent in the morning of each day was a birth, a birth of the cosmological egg that produced the universe of existence. The streaming light of Rhea's dawn was a type of moisture remaining in the airs of Kronos near the earth's surface. Dawn was the mythic fulfillment of the night's union with the twilight god of the sun. Evening of each day was the mythic death of the solar horned hunter god. Lord Zagreus, the goatfoot god, was this twilight hunter upon Crete. He was also the bullfoot god as well. In the Egyptian language he was known as Lord Atem or Lord Osiris. The sacrifice of bulls was a ceremony left over from the hunt sacred to Pharaoh. Priestesses of Rhea and Persephone gathered the holy blood of the sacrifice. The Labri's tomahawk was the cultic instrument used to kill the bull and butcher its meat into portions. Most likely the descended ritual of Atlantis was performed at twilight when the sun set over the mountains west of Knossos. 
Pharaoh and his hunters were most probably the ceremonial executors of the holy hunting kill. The goddess of night and her daughters were then afterwards made beneficiaries of the horned creatures, flesh and blood. Some type of ritual transference was then necessary between the hunters and the priestesses of night, when the fruits of the sacrifice and the labyrinths were delivered and returned to the goddess of dark earth. The sacrifice was an offering made by the pharaoh sun god to the queen of night. The labyrinths tomahawks had become magical instruments for ceremonial ritual use and were kept in the cavern temple. Honey, dinner is ready. Perhaps the pharaoh and the monitor prince were both carvers at the sacrificial preparation after the hunt. This might explain the use of both Labry's tomahawks. Pharaoh and Monitor were the master hunters of the horned creatures that they sacrificed. Pharaoh and Monitor were not these horned creatures themselves. The great horned hunter of the tribe was originally the sun at day and the moon at night. Horned creatures such as the bull and the goat were simply what the god hunter preyed upon so as to provide nourishment for the tribe. The sacrificed bulls and goats were offerings of the god displaying his totem horns in the evening after the sacred hunt. The horned bull or horned goat was not the god himself. They were the sacred animals of Neter or nature. Neter being the name of the Labry's tomahawk in the Egyptian language. Note that Neter also has the meaning of God. God is a hunter, the great horned hunter of the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon were the first male gods that humans worship. The night and the earth were the first female gods that humans worship. The moon was the male sun god at night. Within the propylaea of the temple of night at Knossos, Sir Arthur Evans found remains of frescoes that had adorned the side walls of the structure. 
Evans theorized that there were originally up to 80-some fresco figures of temple acolytes carrying the sacred vessels and cult implements of the goddess from the temple down through its entrance level. One of these frescoed attendees upon the goddess was found in several large fragments upon the floor of the Propylaea where it had once formed the stuccoed surface of the side wall. This fresco of an acolyte carrying a riton vase in the sacred way procession was named the cupbearer fresco by Evans. The acolyte servant of the goddess is a youthful male with long black hair who wears the traditional sheath kilt of Minoan fashion. A belt around his thin waist secures the kilt below and the belt has a decoration composed of a linear series of serpent coils. The kilt itself displays an interconnecting grid of four-point golden stars with systems of blue circles within each cardinal point of the stars. At the center of each star is another system of red circles surrounding a larger red dot. The purpose of the golden starry pattern was to display a sign of the night goddess over the entire fabric of the kilt. The four-point star in the shape of the modern addition sign was indicative of the night sky. Each cardinal point of this basic star sign was filled with an arrangement of seven blue circular dots surrounding a larger blue dot in the center of them. This pattern of seven blue dots arranged in a circle system represented one week of seven nights or the seven stars of the serpent constellation. This pattern of seven blue dots arranged in a circle system represented one week of seven nights or the seven stars of the serpent constellation. Each point of the golden star sign with its circular group of seven blue dots was one week of a month. At the middle of each gold star was a larger series of red dots in a circle. Although these varied in number, some stars having nine red dots and others ten red dots. The red dots at center of each gold star were a count of months, some nine months and others ten months, each month being equal to 28 days.
this pattern upon the kilt of the acolyte then expressed the stars of the night sky as the offspring of the night goddess Nyx with each star of the firmament given birth by the goddess in a period of nine or ten lunar months of 28 days approximately the kilt of the acolyte in the cupbearer fresco has then a woven pattern upon it displaying the stars of the night goddess Nyx after Evans found the fresco fragments in the debris upon the floor of the propylaea they next had to apply a layer of plastering underneath the pieces for the removal as this precaution for removal required drying of the plaster beneath the fragments the fresco could not be moved the day of its discovery and a local Cretan excavator was stationed that night in the Propylaea to watch over it. Arthur Evans recalled the supernatural happening that occurred the same night of the fresco find when the lone excavator slept near it in the temple. Somehow or other, he fell asleep, but the wrathful saint appeared to him in a dream. Waking with a start, he was conscious of a mysterious presence. The animals round began to low and neigh, and there were visions about. Fantasie, he said, in summing up his experiences next morning the whole place spooks Evans volume 3 page 708 sounds as if the lone excavator had a supernatural happening that night in the temple a natural sensory encounter with a spirit or daemon of the underworld could something such as this, some happenstance of the nether other, be what the ancient Mystes initiates referred to when they later claimed to have acquired a lesser fear of death? This explains our modern fascination with accounts of ghosts and spirit sightings because if one is fortunate enough to ever have an encounter with the supernatural one thing that is realized afterwards upon memoried reflection is the sharp numinous otherworld quality of it and what was that exception to everything previously seen or heard by the senses the unnatural the plan of the palace at Knossos was based upon the religion of night 
and the mythological attributes of the gods. Most of the rooms on the west side of the palace had some function in the cult of the goddess of night or in that of her offspring, the serpent gods of the cereal fields and vineyards. A sacred way corridor began at the southwest exit of the central patio and circled the entire western half of the palace, linking the temple, the theater, and the Telesterion Hall. The southwest quadrant held the pharaoh's throne room and the top floor temple of night. The lower floor contained the palace magazine storage rooms with the rich pithoi supplies of olive oil and cereal weed grains. Olive oil was a gift of the goddess Nyx used both in cooking and as a fuel for lamps. The olive tree was the sacred tree of night since its oil produced lighting in the dark evening. Cereal grains pithoi storage was also here and the offspring of Nyx were the gods of the cereal weed harvest. Wine and pomegranate elixir were also stored here in the Pithoi magazines, and these staple beverages were made from the fruits of the serpents. Directly south of the Pharaoh's throne room, and near to the Propylaea entrance of the temple, were the many artisan shops of the palace where specialists in metallurgy, sculpture, and pottery making had areas of manufacture. Adjacent to the pharaoh's throne room and entered from it were the royal pillar tombs and the palace treasury. The Pharaoh of Night was the living incarnation of Lord Set, and somewhat later he became known as Lord Dionysus of Atlantis in the new Greek language descended from the Egyptian. Lord Dionysus Set was the living personification of natural fertility and the abundance of the earth's gifts to the people of Atlantis. Lord Set was also the god of death and the ruler of the underworld of night. The serpent god had always been natural abundance and death's lord since before the Neolithic discovery of seed planting. Therefore, the royal tombs and the palace treasury were placed next to the throne of Knight's Pharaoh. The living Lord Set 
was the duality of existence, the gift of natural abundance and wealth, as well as the ultimate death of the flesh-formed body. West was the direction of night and death. North was the direction of the night sky unholy to the serpent god and goddess. The queen of Atlantis at Gnosis was the incarnation of the goddess Persephone. She was the living daughter of Nyx. Her Egyptian language name was Lady Isis. Serpent Queen Persephone may have fed the sacred snakes kept in the basin of her throne room at the libation vase before her royal seat. The northwest quadrant of the queen's throne room was composed of cultic areas as was the entire top floor on the west side. The north side of the palace was especially unholy since it was the cardinal direction of the night sky sacred to the serpent gods. Here on the north palace side were the most important of unholy structures including the theater, serpentariums, initiatory chambers, and the Telesterion Hall. The east side was more secular and had the royal living areas on both floors of the southeast quadrant. Space for royal socializing in a more relaxed setting was probably the function of the Hall of Labries, which opened onto an indoor garden and extended onto the top floor as well. North of the royal living areas on the east side was yet another large cultic hall for worship of the eldest pair of Knight's offspring. Kronos and Rhea were the primeval gods of light and air the dark and the waters. Kronos was the fire god of twilight and his sister wife Rhea was the goddess of dark waters and the dawn. Once there was a large ten-foot-tall sculpture of the goddess Rhea in the hall. Evans found the bronze curls of her hair in a carbonized heap of burnt remains upon the east hall floor. That Lady Rhea was indeed the goddess of the dawn is shown by a fresco Evans found in a room above the northern entrance to the patio. This is the fresco titled, The Sacred Grove and Dance 
by Evans, and it was found in tandem with the temple fresco that displays the column sanctuary of the central patio at the celebration of a festival. Both of these frescoes had adorned the walls of the same room. The patio sanctuary of the temple fresco has four columns that represent the six main gods and goddesses of Atlantis in the three alcoves of its facade. The paired upper columns are the goddess of night and the twilight sun god. The lower alcoves on the right and left have only one column to represent the pairs of their divine offspring, although there are sacral horns for each deity in each alcove of the temple painting. The fresco also shows the dark and light rectangles used to decorate the areas above each section, with each rectangle representing a day or a night of a lunar month. An Egyptian hieroglyph with the meaning of mountainous land or possibly the underworld is used to delineate the 13 months of a lunar year upon the temple's front walls. A lower front middle section of the temple has a decoration showing a lotus flower with 12 petals on each side divided in half by a column. This decoration with the lotus flower was the monthly festival day of celebrating the union of the night goddess with the twilight solar god and his rebirth the next dawn. This decoration with the lotus flower was the monthly festival day of celebrating the union of the night goddess with the twilight solar god and his rebirth the next dawn. The twilight solar god was Lord Zagreus on Crete and had been Lord Atem or Lord Osiris in Egypt. After his death each day he had become Lord Set of the underworld, its serpent ruler who was the moon's eye until the following dawn when he once again appeared as the sun. The column separating the lotus flower decoration has serpent coils filling the interior of it. The temple fresco is a painting of the columnar sanctuary that is in front of the Pharaoh's throne room on the patio side. Evans thought that the grove of the sacred dance in the painting of that name must have been on the east side 
of the palace below the multiple walls of the east bastion where a stairway led directly downwards from the central patio. The hill is steep under the crumbling blocks of the bastion before it finally levels out onto a large open flat area bordered on the other side by ancient olive trees gnarled and massive growing thick above the river bank. Here, thought Evans, must have been the grove of the dance, most likely the very dancing place of Ariadne, built by legendary Daedalus and inscribed upon the shield of Achilles by the metallurgist god Hephaestus. Therein, furthermore, the famed god of the two strong arms cunningly wrought a dancing floor, likened to that which in wide Gnosis Daedalus fashioned of old for fair-tressed Ariadne. There were youths dancing and maidens of the price of many cattle, holding their hands upon the wrists of the other. Of these, the maidens were clad in fine linen, while the youths wore well-woven tunics faintly glistening with oil. And the maidens had fair chaplets, and the youths had daggers of gold hanging from silver baldrics. Homer, Iliad, Book 18, 590. The streaming light of dawn was an attribute of Lady Rhea. She filled the atmosphere of Lord Kronos with a glowing eastern horizon and bright pouring beams that brought the first of his light at the end of night's dimming gloom. With the arrival of Rhea's bright flowing strands, the amorous god of the airs raised the starry goddess Nyx back into the sky. The dark goddess of the arching firmament then released her embrace upon the twilight sun in the stone-pillared and cavernous veil pits of the underworld, returning reluctantly up and out into the shining voids of the cosmos. Revitalized in the shadow lands of death, the goat-hoofed god of hunters also left the cave of earth with its rough-honed rock, piping on his jaunt through the thick herded fields and over the wild hills way. The shining egg of the sun made a new day, and the thorny and spindle hind legs of Kepera forever toiled, rolling a bright dung orb towards the noon.
Ariadne's dancing place on the palace east side near the ancient olive grove beside the river was most likely used for greeting the dawn of Eos. The goddess Rhea had many later reincarnations in Greek myth. She became the queen of the Olympian gods, the goddess Aphrodite of love and sexuality, and the goddess Eos of the dawn, as well as the sphinx griffin nemesis. The fresco of the sacred grove shows the seven priestesses of Rhea dancing at dawn with arms raised in greeting to the new day sun. They are accompanied by the priestesses of the goddess Persephone who join them in the dance. Beneath the olive trees of the grove are the lotus priestesses of the goddess Nyx observing the festivities in the shadows of the nocturnal olives beside the waters of the river. This grouping of the priestess dancers agrees with that pictured on the temple fresco within which they were shown sitting beside the column alcoves of their goddesses of devotion. The priestesses of Nyx were also shown on the temple fresco, within which they each had a lotus flower adorning their hair as they sat talking in the top row above the main columns of the sanctuary. Both frescoes found by Evans were from the same room above the north entrance to the patio, a location not far from the Queen's northwest balcony and the northern cult structures of our most unholy serpents, Lord Dionysus and Lady Persephone.